to the Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay, and we are so happy that you're here joining us. Today, we are making the case for the homemaker. What is a homemaker? It's a person, especially a woman, who manages a home. Or, as actress Audrey Hepburn puts it, quote, it's sad if people think that homemaking is a dull existence, but you can't just buy an apartment and furnish it and walk away. It's the flowers you choose, the music you play, the smile you have waiting. I want it to be gay and cheerful, a haven in this troubled world, end quote. This episode is for all the modern ladies, the college student, the empty nester, the mom in the trenches, the single working professional, the newlywed, the mom in her career. We all have to come home and home is where your heart is. It's where you are and it's what you make it. William Beckett once said, home is a shelter from storms, all sorts of storms. And in a world that is so often wearying and chaotic, Perhaps a little bit of homemaking is just what the world needs. But first, Lindsay has our etiquette tip, and this week we're going to hear from Mrs. Beaton, right, Lindsay? We sure are, and this book was published in 1861, and so Mrs. Beaton is telling us about oversharing. I guess it's not just a Facebook phenomenon. This is, and I quote, In conversation, trifling occurrences such as small disappointments, petty annoyances, and other everyday incidents should never be mentioned to your friends. Also, if the mistress be a wife, never let an account of her husband's failings pass her lips. Ooh, that's harsh, right, Michelle? Oh, yeah, that is... <laughs> we can't I can tell think of a friend. few occasions. <laughs> yeah. So we're not... So, like, so what she's saying is that we shouldn't be, you know, complaining to our girlfriends. And that sounds... That does sound harsh. But what do you it think she like means? Yeah, it sounds like it's taking away, like, a comfort <laughs> mm-hmm. that we need. Um, but I can see what she is saying because it is awkward, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's awkward when you've kind of said something um, and maybe you shouldn't have said it and now you're both kind of awkwardly waiting for the person to respond or right. you are that person put into the position not knowing what to say. Like, I don't want to, like, badmouth – like, I don't want to agree with you. Right. Um. And badmouth uh, someone that's close to you, but at the same time, I want to be supportive, and I don't know what to say to you. <laughs> that's right. And oftentimes, um, and sh- and she actually discusses this that the advice that the person is almost forced to give doesn't end up being helpful, and the person doesn't actually want advice, anyways. But it creates, yeah, this very awkward conversation. And mm-hmm. so, while it can feel fleetingly cathartic to you know, share our petty annoyances. What good is it really doing? I think that is an incredible goal that everybody should work towards. It doesn't mean not sharing, you know, really leaning on a friend if you need to talk to them. That's not what we're talking about. But, mm-hmm. you know, discrediting somebody without them getting a chance to stand up for themselves, whether it be a friend or or your husband, if you're complaining about him, not really fair, not really classy, not really ladylike. I was just going to say, it's not really polished. And it actually, I could see it stunting friendships because Mm, it keeps the conversation kind of shallow in a way. It keeps it always at that small talk level. And I remember a quote by Eleanor Roosevelt 
when she talks about, do you remember it? She talks about great minds discuss ideas. Mm, yes. Small minds discuss, discuss people. people. Yep. Right? And yes. so we're always trying to better ourselves and be educated, intelligent, smart women in the world. But we're holding ourselves back by this small talk. Yep. No small talk here today, right? Oh, no. We're diving deep. Let's go. <laughs> In preparation for this episode, Lindsay and I were talking about three kind of classic or ideals of homemakers. And Lindsay, you were talking about Mrs. Beaton in the Mm -hmm. etiquette tip. And you're saying she has like a lot to say, like she's a fiery woman when it comes to homemaking. (laughs) Yes, she is. And the opening of her classic book, and this book ended up being 2,000 pages. Um, Just briefly, I don't have the notes in front of me, but Mrs. Beaton's book was published, like I said, in 1861. She sadly died four years later. She was only in her 20s when she wrote this book. And this book was really written as a household management guide. And it was for all newlywed women who Mm. possibly had domestic staff as, and Michelle and I were talking about this earlier, most people had domestic staff because there were no labor laws and you could pay them pennies. Um, So unless you were the poorest of the poor, you tended to have at least one person on staff. So there had to be manuals for how to run your household. And so this is that this became that tome for those women. And it was given to every woman almost before her wedding. And even to this day in England, it's often given as a wedding shower gift. I don't know how many editions there have been, but it has been constantly republished um, and, and updated since 1861. This book starts with one of my favorite openings of a book. So she says, Mrs. Beaton says, as with the commander of an army or the leader of any enterprise, so it is with the mistress of a house. Her spirit will be seen through the whole establishment and just in proportion as she performs her duties intelligently and thoroughly, so will her domestics follow in her path. Of all of those acquirements, which more particularly belong to the feminine character, there are none which take a higher rank in our estimation than such as to enter into a knowledge of household duties, for on these are perpetually dependent the happiness, comfort, and well-being of a family. Hmm. The end. Yeah, <laughs> we're done. <laughs> Wow. Oh my gosh. Like from the very beginning when she's like the leader of an enterprise. Yeah. And the commander of an army. I love it. You know, some of the other words like, so yeah, she said, as you said, the leader and she wrote of any enterprise. I love that. You know, she really valued a woman's role that she could lead any, that word, any enterprise, the mistress of the house. She is intelligent. She's feminine. She is dependent Mm -hmm. upon for the happiness, well-being, the comfort of the family. This is a massive honor and a privilege. That's what I hear when I, when I hear those words. Mm -hmm. Do you know who I think about when I Mm -hmm. hear that actually is um, Ma Ingalls from The Little House on the Prairie. Don't you think? I'm just reading it with Claire um, before bedtime right now. And I'm, I find myself reading about the stuff that Ma Ingalls is doing Um, tonight. Actually, the chapter was Ma just, she picked up some straw and just braided them into straw hats for the family. No big deal. And I was like, oh my gosh. And that's in addition to like getting dinner on the table and always just like not frantic, not hectic. She just did her thing and she ran 
she yeah. ran her household so confidently and she was smart. She was resourceful. So yeah. that really reminds me of Mrs. Beaton's description of Absolutely. a household manager. <laughs> yeah. I And I love it. There's nothing weak and subservient or lowly or mild uh, about mm-hmm. this woman, right? And this is the you know, Victorian age, um, the early Victorian age. And it's just not what we would expect when you were to read about a housewife. And so I love, I love, and we're going to touch more on like the emotional side of homemaking, but I think Mm -hmm. the reality is it is to be treated with managerial skills. If you're going to make your house run well, and her book is an, an instruction book for that. Right. Because often I think, especially in our culture today, um, homemaking is seen as a very, like very much like a hobby. Right. Like it's something you do in your spare time or in the fringe hours. Oh, you want to like make things pretty or something like that. That's quaint. It's yeah. quaint and it's simple yeah. and whatever. <laughs> but we're hearing and you and I experience firsthand in our everyday daily lives. And I'm sure all women who have a home mm-hmm. <laughs> can agree that it it can be done badly mm-hmm. if yep. you are not a diligent person. Yep. And, and yeah. you were talking about home ec in schools, right? And how it is a skill mm-hmm. and how they removed home ec. And I think sometimes some areas are bringing it back, but this is not just something you can pick up um, one day. Like it is years of learning how to do these skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know what I find too? So my mom was very, very good. She was a homemaker and uh, well, she was a stay at home homemaker. I should clarify. Mm -hmm. And she did her very best (laughs) to kind of draw me into learning these household arts. And I, as a teenager, I, I did, I wasn't a good student. And so I missed out on a lot of instruction from her. I wish now that I had paid more attention because I find I would like to teach my daughters things, but I'm still learning so much every day myself. And so it's kind of a, a, an awkward, weird position, but even I look back wistfully on those home ec classes at school and I was like, at least as a school subject, I would have gotten something, right. sewn a button on a shirt or right. something, anything. <laughs> something, anything, somebody. Yeah. Yes, like, you're please. I'm not alone in that. I think the women that I know that can knit or do the classic feminine arts, shall we say, um, are few mm-hmm. and far between. And that I think we don't actually realize how much we needed to learn those things until we do become mothers. And we do see that we want to pass on these skills that we just don't have. And so mm-hmm. um, I think that we're on the cusp of relearning homec, which is really neat. I think we're seeing this a resurgence of this type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to share something else that she said that Mrs. Beaton said. So sure, yeah, this, she says here, good temper should be cultivated by every mistress as upon it, the welfare of the household may be said to turn. Indeed, its influence can hardly be overestimated as it has the effect of molding the characters of those around her and of acting most beneficially on the happiness of the domestic circle. Every head of a household should strive to be cheerful and should never fail to show a deep interest in all of that appertains to the well-being of those who claim the protection of her roof. 
gentleness, not partial and temporary, but universal and regular, should pervade her conduct, for where it is such a spirit is habitually manifested, it not only delights her children, but makes her domestics attentive and respectful. Her visitors are also pleased by it, and their happiness is increased." What a tall order. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say. Um, but you know what? I find this to be true. I um, I find it's uh, it sounds really hard, but only because I am so distractible mm. by things that are uh, not ultimately important, right? And I have been doing little experiments with myself, <laughs> Um, on days where I feel like I have not given my family uh, the time or attention they need from me, I take stock, like, what was it going on that day? Um, and often there has always been something going on outside the home that has um, made me in an anxious or worried mood and that manifests itself uh, when it pertains to my children. Right. Or how my conduct towards my my children or my husband, the people that are around in my home. And on the days where I very specifically try to focus only on when I'm at home, what does my home need and how can I serve while I'm here? Uh, it's not quite as difficult for me to maintain a cheerful demeanor. Mm-hmm. And people do really thrive under that. I notice a huge difference in my children's behavior, particularly when I am calm and um, can enjoy the art of homemaking and they be- everyone benefits from that. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's like the whistle while you work, work from Snow White. And I think that it's hard to describe if you haven't done it, but there is great joy to be found in these daily and mundane tasks. And mm-hmm. um, I've, I've felt that firsthand more times than I can count. And I am surprised by it um, every single time. Yes, um, every time. <laughs> every time. Every time I'm enjoying washing these floors on my hands and knees. And, you know, in the moment, you, you might not love it, but you stand back in that that joy you feel when you've gotten your chores done is a great feeling mm-hmm. of accomplishment. So what about having to stay, yeah, cheerful? I, I have to agree with her as much as that does seem like a tall order. And we've talked about this before in other podcasts. Um, our mood, like you were saying, really does impact the moods of everybody in the house. It mm-hmm. just seems like it's a truth. Yeah. When I think about this, um, I actually think about the Proverbs 31 woman. And uh, for those who are familiar with the passage in the Bible, Proverbs is a book in the Bible, and there's one chapter in particular that describes uh, a woman, is it a wife of great value? Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Uh, but in any case, we were talking about how every single adjective or word in that verse is empowering. Right. Uh, it really, it's a it's a rally. It's a call to action. And so if you are striving for these qualities, I can totally see how you'd be joyful Yeah. Um, because you are so empowered. What are some of the ones you were mentioning before? There was uh, yeah. strength. From the Proverbs 31 woman? 
Yeah, there's so many. You're right. When we were reading about her, so she's kind of the next idea of a homemaker. And so some of the other lines from that passage, um, she gets up at dawn to prepare breakfast for her household. And let me just say, Mrs. Beaton, that's actually in the very first part of her book as well. She recommends and getting breakfast on the table. Again, she might have a little domestic help with that, but there is something to be said for advice that is thousands of years old. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay, she also, the Proverbs 31 woman, she goes to inspect a field and buys it worth her earnings. Yeah, you're hearing this for the first time, perhaps. That's in the Bible. She goes, this woman inspects land to purchase on her own and buys it with her own earnings. Uh, Empowerment. She is energetic and strong. She's a hard worker. She extends a helping hand to the poor. She makes sure her dealings in the marketplace are profitable. Again, this is a smart woman. And she Mm -hmm. dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Purple's not really my color. I may look good on you, but she is not a sloppy woman. She is dressed well. And strength, mm-hmm. uh, the word strength, dignity, she is not lazy. She carefully watches over everything. And it says in her household, you know, her yes. household, that word is very care- um, carefully chosen here. Um, she has promised a great reward. She is worthy of honor. She laughs, right? It actually says that she laughs mm-hmm. without fear of the future. So she has this this cheerful joy that Mrs. Beaton talks about. And it also says that this isn't, um, it isn't all for nothing. It also, the Bible commands that she be rewarded for all that she has done and, and praised publicly. Oh my goodness. Like what is there not to wow. love about trying to strive to be a Proverbs 31 woman. She is, and this is exactly what you're saying, isn't it? So ironic, but so beautiful that this 2,000-year-old description of the ideal woman is actually the modern lady yes. that we're all striving yes. to be. <laughs> you, know, you and I were both trying to come up with the perfect definition for the modern lady when we created this podcast, and we're like, mm-hmm. oh, we should have turned. We were always turn first because boom. Yep. There she is. That woman, <laughs> there is nothing in there that I wouldn't be proud to work towards within myself and that I have two daughters. You have two daughters. I mean, that's the handbook right there. That's the checklist, the goals. It is a rallying cry. And are we going to not reach it all the time? Yeah. But those are really attainable characteristics. Right. And things, um, great things to work towards, right? Like those are all good virtues and virtues are essentially good habits. So habits are like built on and they are strived towards. And we talk a lot about in this podcast, how a lot of this is such a process and it's a journey. And I'll be honest too, I've been married now for eight years. And I have only just in the last couple of years really started kind of uh, waking up to all of these empowering traits that are at my fingertips, all these wonderful surprises and joys that can be found in my homemaking. I've spent like the first part of my marriage being kind of clueless to all those things. So um, I like that there are good habits, they are good virtues. And this is the standard. We talked also about setting a high standard and keeping our expectations for the day-to-day progression towards that, uh, giving ourselves grace and space to um, work and move within that. We have to unlearn um, everything that was told to us about homemaking in the last couple generations, that it was 
mindless work for uneducated women and that mm-hmm. um, somehow it di- a career woman and homemaking couldn't go hand in hand. And um, I worked when we had our first two kids. I worked often full-time hours. I was raised by a career woman. Uh, my very best friend is a career woman. And I know all of them have to come home still after their full-time job and still be a homemaker. And I think that if we um, really embrace homemaking for what it is. It's not just another chore. It's not just another thing on our to- busy to-do list. Um, it is these characteristics and these virtues that you grow towards as a human. And these characteristics and virtues are incredibly empowering. And so mm-hmm. we weren't taught that, like you're saying, like, it, these these things, I would never knew that that was the description of the woman. I thought homemaker, oh, I thought she gave up on her life, <laughs> that she prisoner in her home. And so to now learn this and, uh, you know, it just reaffirms for me the convictions I felt when I stepped into owning my role as a homemaker and, and to see it in writing and throughout this, throughout history, right. Through these different voices is just so incredible. And I think too, it's important uh, with Remembrance Day, thinking about our veterans and those who went to go fight in the wars um, all throughout history, but especially in recent history, uh, they went to go fight for our homes, right? Like they went yeah. and yeah. and fought and died and bled for our home, our country that we consider our home and even the domestic homes, like the individual homes, their homes uh, and their families. Like home is a place worth fighting and dying for. And these men and these women have uh, proved in history that they believe that. They believe that right to their deaths. And we are so grateful to them because we now have the abilities to maintain and keep and provide homes and be homemakers and carry on their legacy almost in a way. Right. Like you fought for our homes and we're going to make them and we're going to keep making them and we're going to keep the good fight going. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And this leads perfectly into the uh, the third type of, of homemaker that I want to talk about um, is the post-World War II 1950s housewife, right? And I bet everybody thinks I'm going to talk about June Cleaver, who happens to be my hero. And I swear yeah. my own grandmother, June, was modeled. Um, they modeled June Cleaver on her. Um, but no, I'm going to talk about Irma Bombeck. And if anybody here has never read her work, Irma Bombeck, She's written several books. They are the funniest, most real look at homemaking and motherhood and being a wife. I laugh out loud, like tears streaming down my face by these books um, from reading this book written by this woman in the 50s and 60s. And she had a regular column in like nationwide newspapers and just truly a household name. Today, she would be, if she were alive, like the mom blogger extraordinaire. She'd have like a hilarious Instagram account. And I think that it's good to reflect on a character and a woman like Irma Bond because she lived in the time that we look back at as the the quintessential housewife. And we look back with nostalgia. I know I do. I know you do at that period. But she writes really realistically. And so for the women that are trying every day to be the Proverbs 31 woman or to follow Mrs. Beaton's, you know, manual for running your house, there's a lot of Irma Bombecks out there. And one of the things for the rest of us. Yes, for the rest of us. <laughs> and so one of my favorite quotes is she said, My second favorite household chore is ironing. My first being hitting my head on the top bunk until I faint. 
you know, if anybody has bunk beds and has to change the sheets, oh my goodness. I did a shout out on Facebook. I was like solidarity to all the moms putting sheets on the bunk beds right now because it is the worst. And it will be the moms because as a child who slept in bunk beds, it sure wasn't me. (laughs) It is so hard. Um, And I think she makes some really, really good points. She says things like, No one ever died from sleeping in an unmade bed. Now, I'm the first to get up and to champion people to make their beds. Is my bed always always made? No. But I did happen to make my kids listen to that motivational speech from the Navy SEAL that went viral a couple years ago where he starts out by saying, make your bed, get up, Mm -hmm. make your bed. I do still believe that that's the ideal, that that's the bar we should set for ourselves. But Irma is right. No one ever died from sleeping in an unmade bed. So that's okay. She also says that if I had to live my life over again, I would have burned the pink candle that was sculpted like a rose before it melted in the storage room, right? It's going to melt. It's going to fall apart. Light the Mm -hmm. darn candle. And, you know, that goes for sit in the living room, eat at the dining table, use the dishes that were passed down for you. You know, do you have things like that in your life where you think I shouldn't touch that right now? Yes. Actually, I love that about um, eat in the dining room Mm -hmm. because we have a very tiny eating area in our kitchen. Mm -hmm. And Phil and I both say that one day it will just be physically impossible for our family to eat in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. One day we're going to have to regularly use the dining room. And so last week we wanted to have a a special dinner for the Feast of All Saints. And I was like, well, why don't we use the dining room? And I put out a white tablecloth, not my good white tablecloth, but a white tablecloth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I was like, it's okay. I We can take out stains like as long as we get to them quickly. It's going to be okay. But I almost had to like coach myself into using these things that I've put away for what I, I don't know right. immediately. Right. Um, but I know I, I have experienced that kind of disappointment when I've put something away for the future and I stumble across it maybe even years later and the moment has passed yeah. and I think, oh, that's such a shame. So I, I hear what Irma is saying. She's saying, enjoy your home, make your home and then just relish in it. That's right. Enjoy it. That's right. That's part of being the homemaker. It is doing our best to keep it a tidy, organized, welcoming space, but yes, enjoy it. Okay, it's time to talk about what we've been loving this week. Lindsay, what have you been loving? Well, I finished East of Eden by John Steinbeck. And it, I have to say, of all the books I've ever read in my entire life, this is my all-time favorite novel. Absolutely incredible. It was just so... Uh, emotional start to finish, just such a great read, the character development. I am just madly in love with this book. And so there was a movie made, I think in 1955 with James Dean. And so that will be on our watch list for this week. I can't wait to see the, uh, the movie version, but loved East of Eden. That's saying quite a lot because you read so many books. <laughs> I do. And I'm just, uh, it actually, it still might be tied with my former favorite, which is The English Patient by Michael Andachi, but it's up there. And there's one other thing. And I thought, because my week has been quite busy and I thought, what have I been loving? Well, I learned how to paint. So it actually kind of works in with our homemaking <laughs> topic. Very good. Excellent 
painter at home. People actually ask him all the time if if they can pay him to paint their houses. Um, so I'm not usually, and I'm putting this in quotes, allowed to paint. <laughs> I'm not married to that type of man, but he knows my personality and being flighty. Uh, I'm often described as a bull in the china shop in a china shop by my own parents and family. Um, I tend to splash things around and spill them and giggle too much. And it's just not really meant for me. But this week I thought I can do this. And so he said, go ahead and try. (laughs) And so I realized how much work painting is. And I want to officially apologize to my husband for every time I thought he could just paint a room really quickly when I (laughs) asked him to change it. And I thought, why is it taking him so long? (laughs) Um, Yeah. always takes longer mm-hmm. than you think and, and something always comes up that you're like oh darn <laughs> yeah. I prepared for this yes every time so much more work than I thought and maybe everybody else doesn't have to tape every little thing because maybe they have more practice than I do but I wanted to make sure I was just properly taping and prepping but I really enjoyed doing that and I was able to just pop in my headphones and listen to podcasts um, the whole time and ignored my kids and it went well <laughs> I got a lot painted and a lot done and that feeling like we were saying of pride from the you know a job well done and hard work uh, is is a great feeling. And so I have a few more little projects to start tackling because I know I can do it. What about you? Awesome. Loving. I have been loving a podcast. So we're entering into a very busy season in our family. Um, we have a lot of family birthdays and that includes our children, my family, like my, both of my parents, both of my siblings, and even on Phil's side of the family, my mother-in-law, two of my sister-in-laws, there are birthdays from now until like the end of Christmas and into January. Mm. So we're just like, go, go, go. I don't have a lot of time to read is all I'm trying to say with this. (laughs) So I listen to a lot of podcasts and audiobooks while I'm out and about and doing little uh, chores and errands. And one that I really love, especially if the kids are in the car, it's actually a kid's podcast, but I like it. It's called Circle Round, as in like, come circle round, everybody. (laughs) Um, And it is dramatized folktales from around the world. It's a storytelling podcast, and I find it absolutely fascinating. So the host, uh, I think it's Rebecca Shear, and she always opens with a little preamble about the message that they're supposed to get from this short story. It's like 15, a 15 minute podcast. Um, she'll give a little bit of background into the, the place in the world where this story originates from. And she often gets celebrities to come and play one of the characters. So it is like fully scripted and original music. And it's just very well done all around. So if you're looking for if you are like me, and you're just drawn to stories, and a good story, no matter what genre or meant for what age, then I would really recommend the Circle Round podcast. And you can find that on any of your podcast apps, or I think on iTunes, anywhere you find podcasts, you should be able to find it there. That sounds great. And I'm actually glad you explained the name because I heard, I heard it in like Tarzan's voice, like circle round. And I'm like, they are round. Yes, Tarzan. Circle round. <laughs> the circle is round. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. And I, <laughs> that was I great. had to clarify because 
it took me several times <laughs> listening to the podcast to get I'm like, oh, like gather children. Oh, okay, yes, circle around. Got it. Yeah, that's Got it. great. Oh, that sounds really cool. I think I'm gonna check out that one for my kids because there's only so much reading I can do aloud. So it'd be nice to just slip that on and slip off away from my afternoon tea. That's or painting. Right, more painting. <laughs> so many projects. Yes. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week, Lindsay. Where can people find us? You can find us on Facebook at The Modern Lady Podcast, and you can find us on Instagram by the same name. You can find my private Instagram account at Linny Autumn, and Michelle is at MMSachs, S-A-C-H-S. And we just want to thank uh, the two commenters from this past week that left us five-star ratings on iTunes. We were so pleased to see that, and we are so thrilled that our episodes are resonating with people we really want to just connect uh, with all the other ladies who uh, want to engage in these discussions and we've been so happy to be able to do that so thanks again for listening for tuning in and for leaving those ratings and reviews and if you have a moment uh, if you could leave us a review on iTunes or on Google Play it really helps uh, those who are searching for new podcasts to find ours and to hopefully join our lovely little discussions so yeah thanks everyone we'll see you next week Thank you.